let's just acknowledge this so we can right now start working on how do we start living this differently? Because this truly is the game changer. If, or if, you, you're, if you're a disciple working with other disciples, but you're not doing discipleship together, it's really hard to keep growing. It's really hard to trust each other. And it's really hard to cast a vision for where the parish or the diocese or whatever the mission of the thing you're doing is. Welcome to another episode of the Mission Guys podcast, where our goal is to help equip you as a leader for transformation of the church. If you are a bishop, priest, or layperson leading in a diocese, parish, school, family, or a mission-driven company, this podcast is for you. And we are your hosts. I'm Nick Jorgensen. And I'm Rick Pop. And if you're new to us, we post episodes on leadership topics. We host interviews with leaders just like you. Today, we're going to discuss how well we or how well you as leaders disciple each other. Now, discipleship is a huge topic. We know that. But our focus today will be specifically on leaders and their leadership teams. But before we get it too far into the detail, Nick, how about we pray? Sounds great, brother. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you for the opportunity to just help continue to open up this topic of discipleship, this idea that if we do not do this first as leaders, it will not happen in the people you've called us to lead. So, Father, we ask you to send the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name to just fill Rick and myself with all the grace we need to try and communicate a vision for this. And as we share this insight, Holy Spirit, we ask you to move in the hearts of your leaders in your church, your leaders who are called to go deeper with you, deeper with their community they lead, so that all might come to know and believe in the name of Jesus Christ. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right. Thanks, Nick. So this topic, little disclaimer for our listeners, this topic is huge. Discipleship is massive. There are gazillions of books seemingly written on this, especially today. There's, the church's teaching is rich with resources from the catechism, the scriptures themselves, to the, the saints and many other writers. It's just rich with all kinds of writing and teaching about discipleship and what a disciple is and who they're called to be. So there, this, is, this is a very rich, 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 wide-ranging topic with a lot of angles to come at it. But today we really want to hone in in a very particular way on the leadership team. We might use the parish context a little bit, but it could be a school, could be a diocese, could be any other organization. But the, the leadership team of a ministry and the need for that leadership team to really, we said it last time in the last episode, go first. You can't go farther. The organization is not going to go farther than the leadership team. And building on that idea, your leadership team, the way you enter discipleship together, that's the key word there, together is a direct impact on discipleship taking place anywhere else. So to narrow it, again, it's just focus on you as the leadership team, you as a group of leaders, and how your discipleship effort is reflected throughout the whole culture. But to get into that, we really just need to go after this, what is a disciple? Some, 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 some basic definitions just to make sure we're on the same page. We pulled some of this from the Catholic Bible Dictionary. So disciple means a student or follower who emulates the example set by a master and seeks to identify with the master's teachings. So you think about Jesus and as a disciple of Jesus in the context of that era of, of time, the disciples identified with other people. There's disciples of John the Baptist. 
disciples of different teachers in, in Judaism. So there's disciples is a, is, a, is a common thing then. But to be a disciple of Jesus, we would say is very unprecedented. There was, there was, there's no one, of course, like Jesus. His teaching, who he was, who he, who he is, people didn't just come to him for instruction. They came to literally become like him in every single way possible. And Jesus being who he is, the son of God, it takes discipleship to the very highest level. So being a disciple is being a follower of Jesus in this context, right? Christian disciple, I'm a follower of Jesus trying to be like him. And discipleship is the process by which we become disciples. With Jesus, it's not just a matter of listening to his teachings and learning his wisdom. It's a commitment to an entirely new way of life. I mean, Jesus' teachings are revolutionary. So the disciple, part of their call with Jesus isn't just to be like him, but he said, tells us, take up your cross and follow me. Like that's his teaching, take up your cross and follow me. That's what it really means to be a disciple. That's what it really means to be a follower of Jesus, to leave everything behind, family, friends, possessions, wealth, power, authority, positions, all of it, and be willing to share in his mission, his joy, his life, and especially and even his death. So discipleship, this concept of disciple, that's the kind of the, that's the baseline foundation from which we're going to have this conversation. And we've both made the point that it's a huge topic. There's a lot of information. And so we instruct you to take a look, for example, at the, at focus, the fellowship of Catholic university students, they do a really nice job. They've got good material as well, but they've identified five stages of discipleship. What does what a beginning disciple look like? What does a growing disciple look like? What does a di disciple look like when, when he or she is commissioned to go out? Or, or the fourth phase, its fourth stage is a disciple maker. So a disciple that's making other disciples. And then the fifth stage, they call it the spiritual multiplier, really leveraging what they've developed, the skills they've been given, the awareness they have in, in multiplying discipleship. And a lot of leaders, they recognize what the Great Commission is. They recognize that in Matthew 28, Jesus tells us, go make disciples of all nations. And, and we all want to. And a lot of leaders, we just want it to come to life. We want the Great Commission to come to life. We want to be making disciples of all nations. We want to evangelize. We want to see people come to know Jesus and be transformed by Jesus. And they want to get others to know, um, to get to know him even more. But there's a lot of challenges to that. And, and as Nick mentioned in our last episode, we made the point that your whole organization, for the most part, you might have individuals that, that are the, the anomalies, the outliers, but that whole organization, that parish, that institution is not going to go any further than the leadership team. And so we, we, we look and say, all right, now, if we want the whole organization to be making disciples, are we discipling each other? Are we living discipleship as a team? Am I personally living as a disciple? Do, am I, where am I on these, on these stages? And we're all in different places. And so we're asking you now to challenge this idea. And we're going we're gonna to really hone in now on this. Now that I've got a little refresher on what, is, what does it mean to be a disciple? And there's many resources out there. But let, let's look at ourselves. What does it look like? if we are living discipleship as a leadership team? Yeah, the thing with leadership teams that we see going across the country is there's, there's often 
because there's just a lot of there's a lot of good things happening, a lot of activity in the parish, as an example, and and yet sometimes there's just not quite much fruit being born. There's a lot of dysfunction in staffs. There's a lot of reasons for these things. So we're gonna get into some of the why doesn't this happen in a little bit, but it's just just worth noting. If you're if you're already thinking like yeah we don't really do that as a leadership team that's the norm, you're not you're not the anomaly, that's normal right now and it's not a it's not a criticism at all. Let's just acknowledge this so we can, right now start working on how do we start living this differently because this truly is the game changer. If or if you you're, if you're a disciple working with other disciples but you're not doing discipleship together, it's really hard to keep growing. It's really hard to trust each other. And it's really hard to cast a vision for where the parish or the diocese or whatever the mission of the thing you're doing is. So that said, what does it look like? The best place to start is with Jesus. He's the master of the method. He's the master of it all. So with Jesus as the prime example, you could look at all the stories, all the narratives of scripture. You could look at how the Lord walked with the 12. You could, you could look at the acts of the apostles and how the apostles lived together. These are all things worth looking at. But in, to almost sum it up in a line, you could say discipleship is living Christian lives together intentionally. I'm going to say that again. Discipleship, from the leadership team perspective again, is living Christian lives together intentionally. So it's having a common Christian life together. Looking into the book of Acts, Paul and Timothy. Paul discipled, was in discipleship with Timothy for 15 years. And then he sends Timothy out. Like Timothy, Timothy goes out on his own to keep planting the church, keep growing the church, keep building and making disciples. These guys ran together. They traveled together. They ate together. They ministered together. They watched each other do ministry. You can imagine they talked about what God did afterwards. And they, they pulled from each other's experiences and said, wow, look, Paul, how'd you do that? Or what was God doing in you here? Or look what God got us through there. They kept learning together. So it's this journey of the, the learning on how to do the things, life, ministry, whatever it is, whatever your context is, learning to do it together. And so here's, here's some practical things that it looks like doing. Opening your home. So you're the leader of the team. Open your home. Invite people over. Doesn't matter if you're the bishop, a priest, or lay leader. Open your home and say, hey, come on over. Maybe it's quarterly. Come on over. Let's have dinner together. I'll bring your kids. Bring your spouses. Uh, we're gonna, when we're together, we're going to eat. We're going to ask what the Lord's doing in each other's lives. We're going to just be human. We're going to laugh. We're going to do the things we do. Someone might bring a guitar. We might do some worship music. We might pray together. But we should. It's intentionality when we are together to not just let it be buddy-buddy time, but to really spend time having really great conversations, spending quality time together. You attend big events. It might be a retreat. It might be a conference. It doesn't always have to be the big national thing, but just attend things together. Be targeted and intentional about that. And you go. You go with a mindset of, let's go learn. Let's go grow together. And we're going to talk about it during it and after so we can learn together. What's the Lord doing in you from the material, the content, the experience we had? How does that apply to our mission together? And, and you reflect deeply and spiritually together and you share those things. Another one is doing ministry together. So there are some teams we work with, Rick, where they have the luxury of more frequently doing the work of ministry together. So in, what, in particular, we have a bishop we work with who goes out with his leadership team. And with some level of frequency, they go out and do ministry together. They see each other preach and teach and pray and talk and set up hospitality and beauty and registration for the event. It's the whole process. 
But there, when one another person is doing ministry, so you might, a bishop might be preaching or a lay person, the rest of the team is attentive to what's happening there. So it's like, okay, I'm watching God move. I'm watching this person's gifts and skills come out. I'm learning how they operate. I'm learning how to take in the good from that. I, I, I'm helping them to get even better afterwards when we debrief it, all that stuff. But doing it together is so important because you watch God move in the different gifts on the team. But if you don't, again, be intentional about talking about it, affirming it, encouraging, making sure I'm not looking at my phone while my, my pastor or my teammates talking so I can be attentive to God's movement in the room. This is how you grow together in discipleship. It sounds almost sounds so simple because it is. And yet so often we don't do this. So the, the challenge would be maybe you don't do ministry together right now. Maybe it's not even natural for you guys to do it because of the way you're operating. We would challenge you, find two, three, four, five times a year to start doing ministry together. Start attending mutual things together because it's not about, I'm not really doing anything here. It's like, no, no, no. I'm learning by watching. I'm learning by being attentive to it. I'm praying for them. I'm praying with Father before he gets up on stage. I'm praying with my teammate before they get up and lead the retreat or whatever it is. There's so many things to do, but that's all very important. Yeah, you're making me appreciate the fact that we get to do this. This is what we get to do. When we travel together, we're talking about how things are going to go. We're planning, we're praying, we're we're able to watch each other. Uh, we're, we're able to do it together. And when you and I were both with Acts 29, you know, doing it with Father John and Mary and Albert and the, and the broader team, whether we brought them to our site or we're going out together, it, we're, we're able to live it. Now, not everybody has that structure of their job. And, and especially if maybe you're not even working within the church, but you're still leading and you're leading in a faith-based way. Um, other, other ways for anybody is just taking a a check on, are you praying together? Are you praying together? Are you doing adoration together? Are you attending mass together? Are you praying actually with one another? You know, when somebody is struggling, are you praying with that person right there? Are you praying for a healing for them? Are you praying for strength for them? Are you praying for clarity? I know it's one of our habits when when we're somewhere, we, we pray before a presentation together, asking the Holy Spirit to come upon us. More recently, we've been working, and, and this is a common struggle, Is and we've had a, a podcast called Overwhelmed, that leaders often and parents often and principals often get to a situation where they're overwhelmed. And we know it. We see it. And if you're on a leadership team, and whether it's you or someone on your team, when you see it, are you praying into it right away? Are you recognizing that one of our members is struggling? And you're prayerfully finding God's better plan together. That's discipleship. That's discipling each other. Or another way is when are you finding time, making time in meetings, whether it's a regular scheduled meeting or is it more of an ad hoc type get together, but are you together, maybe reading a book together? Are you thinking about a certain situation together? And are you making that space to discuss and grow in your faith? Are you making, are you intentional about growing as a disciple together, learning from each other, learning from common book? Um, about, here, here's another way that I just love. Another way is if you think about your own awareness of what Jesus is doing in your life, your own journey, your spiritual journey, where you've been, where you are, where are you heading, and then share that with each other with complete transparency. Here's where I've been. Here's where I am right now. Here's where I think I'm going. 
and you listen to each other and you're getting closer, you get to know each other even better and you can minister to each other even better when you know where they are. Another, all right, I'm jumping around here, but another topic that we run into is at times there's a concern about praying in an organization, quote, on the clock. And, and it just drives us nuts when it even comes up. It's like, why would you even question if you should be able to go to mass on the clock or have adoration on the clock? So we're challenging you to say, get that whole mindset out of there. Nobody is going to be a worse employee by praying. Now, if they're a performance issue, it's not because they're praying. I guarantee it. If they're a performance issue, it's not because they're praying or going to mass. There's other things going on. So you can address that. But we just say that for a, a team, for an organization, to be able to be better disciples and disciple each other, encourage prayer on the clock, encourage adoration on, on the clock. Rick, building on this, I just really want to go deeper on how subtle this shift from we're talking about a book to making it a discipleship conversation is. It takes tremendous intentionality and yet it's very simple, but it does not happen by accident. I, I, I don't think these things ever happen really by accident. So you can read a book with somebody and say, hey, let's talk about it. You could keep it six feet from your heart by simply just analyzing the book in your conversation. I like the author said this, or I don't just, I disagree with this idea. Or yeah, that reminds me of a time when, and you could kind of, you could keep it all, you could keep the whole conversation could lack vulnerability here. Or the questions that are being asked, kind of, these are almost universal questions you could ask. So imagine, take a great book, take the, <laughs> take Rescued by Father John Ricardo, great book. And you break it into four parts. Created, captured, rescued, response. And after every chapter, your leadership team, when you get together to discuss it, you open in prayer. And then the questions could very simply be, what's the Lord doing in you as you read this? What's challenging you? What's encouraging you? What are you learning that's new? Like, and, it's, and it's heartfelt. And as a leader, you go first and you model vulnerability. Here's what God's doing to me right now from reading this. That's the difference between we're going in deeper into friendship, discipleship, getting closer to Jesus and one another, and being vulnerable versus that book on created is, is pretty good, appreciated that insight, never thought about that before. Yeah, like, that's just not going to do it. You're going to just stay superficial. So it, it's, a, it's subtle and simple but yet that would not happen by accident. And Nick, how about when you and I have the chance, but when you, when you see a, a vulnerable, humble bishop say, I've never thought of it that way. The Lord is, the Lord is speaking to me in a different way or, or a priest that you respect so much and you think, man, I shouldn't even be in a spiritual discussion because this guy is so much more advanced than me. For him to say, thank you for that insight. I've never thought of it that way. And being sincere, he's not doing it just to placate us. And we've been able to see that. And it's, yeah. it is a beautiful thing. And that, what does that do? It opens the door even further for people to be further vulnerable. And, and you think about if that's happening in your leadership team, it, it'll enable it to happen throughout the organization. If it's not happening in a leadership team, it'll never happen except for a few anomalies that can just do it on their own. Yes. And this starts to become a natural habit once you build momentum. So let's just Rick, you and I, we, we were remote when we're together it's for events and offsites and things. We're remote otherwise, we, but we're on the calls every week together with one another directly, with others. We're, 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 we frequently are connecting. And yet if we're not intentional, 
that's just we can lose our we can lose our own discipleship footing for a week or two, right? But we have a tremendous blessing of being consistent. So here's just one fresh example. Just the other day, been a few days apart, weekend, that kind of stuff. We're catching up just real quick. Hey, how you doing? And I had an opportunity. Rick asked me how you know how, how's life going for you, and I could have just done the typical like you could call it the guy thing. You could call it the the, the quick. Hey, it was a good weekend. Here's what we did. Did this, did this. Kids are healthy. Blah blah blah. Or someone's sick. Keep it quick and light and move on right into the work. But instead, I just made the choice in this particular week to say, Rick, I've just I've just been anxious lately. This is true. I've been anxious lately. I've been struggling. Entrepreneur trying to build it, build it, miss you. It's just a lot of challenges. So I've been anxious lately and struggling and I'm tired and just sharing life and how it's going for me. And Rick's empathy, his encouragement, his listening, his prayer for me. Like I invited you deeper into my my real time life right now. You responded as a, a brother in the Lord. And we got closer from that. And it brought me out of some of that anxiety, brought me to some freedom. That's the thing that has to become normal for your leadership team, that we could have these conversations. And, and, and brother, so brother, thank you. Thanks for being there for me this week. Oh, yeah, I know, Nick. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be super transparent and tell the rest of the story. Here I was a little bit irritated because you dialed in like a minute late or something. And, and, here, and, and if you didn't tell me that, I would have been sitting there saying, ah, oh, gee, he was late. He doesn't really care about our podcast, whatever, our meeting at the time. And then for me to understand what was going on, I was feeling terrible that here I was, my own little irritation in when, I, when my brother is in need. And so I was just so glad. And if you're not sharing that, it could, you, you, you don't go there. It might even be worse. It might build a resentment for, for a silly reason. So that's another reason why it's, it's almost there's no choice. You, you decide to stay away from it, it'll only get worse versus getting even stronger. Yeah, amen. When you first enter the world of being vulnerable, it can feel dangerous, it can feel scary, it can make you feel insecure. But I promise a life lived in vulnerability far exceeds any life of, of, a, of a fake professionalism. Okay, to make discipleship more concrete, let's give a couple of examples, Rick. I know we both have some examples of how discipleship actually looked in our lives and looks now. I was working in a large archdiocese and I was blessed to be a part of and lead a, a team in evangelization. And I remember, I look fondly on this time as one of the, the, the better teams I've been a part of. And there was a very specific reason why we entered discipleship together. It didn't start this way, but as we took the journey together, we started to be really intentional about our, about our lives together. And so this is what we ended up doing. We ended up um, having quarterly get-togethers in each other's homes. We'd host a dinner, bring the kids, bring your spouse. The priest that was on the team, he brought his guitar. We'd sing a few worship songs together. We'd pray with one another. Um, you know, people brought presents for each other's birthdays at times. The presents for the little kids. And it's just, it's just like they're hanging out. It just looked like a family in their house having fun. But... It was intentional. We prayed. We asked how each other was doing. We, 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 asked, we swapped faith stories. So we did that though quarterly. And so you started to really bond and get to know each other on almost like a familial relationship level. And it changes the way you pray for each other. It changes, you ask, and I'm not just ask how you're doing. I ask how you and your husband are doing and your kids are doing or whatever it might be. That, that team, we also, during like our quote unquote work week, we would pray on the clock together. We prayed twice a week in the chapel a holy hour. And in that one of those holy hours, every single week, we took the time to pray with one another. Sometimes it would be very directed on, like, you have this event this weekend in ministry you want to focus on. 
could be something at home you had going on. I was dealing with some serious back pain at the time. I had, they, they laid hands on me a lot for back healing. It didn't happen, but the Lord used, used natural means for that. So there's these, there's this, we were, we were praying together. We were doing life together. We were reading books. We were constantly grabbing a book, reading it, breaking it down, applying it to our lives personally, spiritually, and then to the mission. And this was just a cycle that was just constantly happening. And then we would have our meetings, our tactical meetings and our strategic meetings. So this whole life bled together would happen. We'd eat meals together. We, every week we had a lunch and once a month we'd have a dinner. So just the team, no families or anything like that. And the, all those things were intentional where we say, oftentimes, how are you doing? What's the Lord doing in your life? And what's your challenge this week? And yet there's also times where it was just lighter touches too, where we wouldn't ask all those big questions, but those questions were habituated throughout. And the experience I had, and I know they had, was, was accelerated growth in our spiritual lives, accelerated growth in our ministries and fruit and mission growth in terms of who we are and what God was trying to do in the work that we were doing on his behalf. It's, it's hard to even describe the exponential growth in that time period. I'm going to throw an example here that's a personal experience of, of a, a friendship that you may have heard me in the past talk about my buddy Vito. Vito is a, is a brother. He truly is a brother. He's not my biological brother, but he's as close. He is a brother. He's a brother. I met him in college and it was probably where I was drifting furthest from my faith. I was never not a Catholic, but I wasn't a a very practicing Catholic at the time. And, and we met at a time when both of us were doing some things that we're not proud of. Okay. So there those college age that kind of experimenting with things and just doing dumb things as young men. And, and yet we were close and we continued to stay close. And then as my, my faith strengthened through the years, Vito was raised Catholic, but he, he, he didn't never got it confirmed. And as we grew together and as then my faith strengthened through the years in a nutshell, Vito was always respectful of it. And he would, he would even as, as later on, we'd get together and say, Hey, are you going to head to mass? He wouldn't go, but he was at least aware that, Hey, he didn't want me to miss. Cause you know, it meant a lot of me. Praise God. Vito comes back strong. And, and it was through just us continuing to talk. And it was one of these where I just said, hey, you might want to read this book. He went to Costa Rica on one of his party vacations, stayed single up until his 50s. And, and anyway, Vito comes back strong and comes, gets, gets confirmed. A bunch of junior high kids and a 55-year-old man at the confirmation ceremony. It was a beautiful thing. And, and the reason I tell you this is now our friendship is discipleship. It's way beyond. We always were close. It is so way beyond that now is that he's sharing with me his thoughts, his insights. He'll share a book. He'll share a video. He'll, he'll share an experience that he had, ideas, struggles, give me advice, further evangelize. And our friendship is, as Nick was describing in the workplace, that team got exponentially stronger, our relationship, and even our, our families together even stronger. And so that's the difference between you can have relationship, you can have friendship, and it can even be a loving friendship. But when you're in discipleship together, you're growing even further in Christ. And as I reflect on my secular experience in the workplace, in, in corporate America, I was just reflecting on our the best teams and the worst teams I worked on. And so some of the best teams, the characteristics, and one was when I was in Fort of Mexico, that Mexican team was one of the best teams. I was wondering, why is that? Why, why was there such a camaraderie there? Why did people care for each other so much? One, they knew each other better. 
it's a smaller subsidiary of a larger organization. When you're in a massive company, you get an assignment for three, four years, you get the next assignment, you go, you say goodbye to people, you know you're probably never going to really work closely with them again. In a smaller subsidiary, there's a bit of a national pride, there's a regional pride. You may take an assignment from the headquarters to one of the plants, but then you come back. So they knew each other. They knew their families. They knew their experiences. They knew their challenges. They, they were with each other. They, I could have been with someone's boss and then they grew up and now they're my boss kind of thing. And anyway, so they would adjust their approaches because they knew each other. And when I was in Mexico, they embraced me every single day we had lunch together. We had two tables. You'd switch up the tables and move around. So I learned to speak Spanish. We insisted, you're going to learn Spanish and we're, we're going to help you. And they helped me and it was fun. And, and on those best teams, there was never competition. There might've been some, but it wasn't obvious competition. We're not trying to, I want to look good so I can get promoted over you. There was truly wanting the best of each other and let the promotions happen as they will. And, and I would like to say, Nick, it was because of my noble character, but I was humbled because I knew I didn't know. I'm coming in here. I don't speak mm -hmm. the language yet. I don't know the labor laws. I was working in human resources. I had safety, security, medical, labor relation, personnel that matters. Even if I wanted to micromanage, it was such a growth experience for me because I had been able to lead out of knowledge. I had been able to lead because I did it. And now I'm coming in and I can't lead by knowledge. I can't lead because I know I can't tell them what to do. So I wish it was my noble character. It was out of absolute need. I need, I rely on them. And I told them early, I'm going to rely on you. And you know what? That went so far. That's the vulnerability. And it could have been selfish, but it worked. I, but it wasn't totally selfish. I know that I was, I was put there for a reason. And, 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 and that, you know, that whole experience, my, my faith strengthened uh, in that experience as well. And it, it was more of a faith-based culture. It was more of a family-based culture. And, and I really grew in many ways from that whole experience. Just staying here for one more moment, like this idea that this wasn't even like a discipleship context, but the keys of discipleship played out and made a strong community. It would be even yeah. better if they were like, all, let's get holy and, and, and do it together and yeah. go on mission for Jesus. But the fact that the vulnerability was there, the humility, the docility to say, hey, let's all learn together. It'll take me on the journey with you. Those are the constituent characteristics that make discipleship able to happen. And this is what we find in leaders yeah. when they're not living this. And again, this is not a judgment. This is, this is just a level set the playing field and say, Christendom again is dead. It's over. It's gone. Now, but to be crazy intentional. And so you're a leader and you're not living it or you're finding it hard to live this. There's a few reasons we think in our experience, there's probably a lot of reasons. Everyone's got their own reasons. But there's a few reasons we think that leaders don't live this way. Leadership teams don't live this way. I think one of them is the, the thinking that I have to be the expert. And in a very particular way, speaking to your role as a priest or a bishop, you are ordained to act in the person of Jesus. You've been through theology and philosophy and many of you advanced degrees. You've been in parish life and diocesan life and you've done, you've led seminary. You've done so many things. And so to come to the conclusion that I don't feel confident or feel like an expert and I feel like I'm supposed to could put up a wall in your heart to say, I, I, 
we can talk about the idea of discipleship, but not actually do it because I don't know how to do it. I grasp at the idea, but I haven't had the luxury of doing that much in my life. And so what maybe was 20 years ago or five years ago, I have, I have lost the, the, the taste and texture of what that feels like and looks like. So if you're a leader sitting here saying, I feel insecure about saying, I don't really know how to do this. We invite you to drop that level set the playing field for everybody because none of us have arrived. None of us are the expert on this. All of us have a lot to learn. Another one is that this just takes a lot of time. Like, why, why should I do this? Like, we, we're kind of productive. I have a lot going on at the parish or the, whatever we're doing. Why should they take the time to do this? Well, the point is, if you're not into intentional discipleship yourself, you're not growing as fast as, as you could. And it's not about speed, but you're just not growing as deep as you could. Like, if, if you could grow faster, closer to Jesus, to look more like him, to be closer to him, why wouldn't you do it? That alone's worth it. Let alone, you could reference the last episode here too, like your vision flows from this, your community flows from this, the love and friendships you have flow from this. It is totally worth your time. It's the top priority. Yeah, that, that last thing you just said, Nick, is the one that it, if we wanted to really be challenging, which we're going to be, is the Great Commission said, go go make disciples of all nations. And, and sometimes this gets misunderstood that whatever your parish is doing, whatever your diocese is doing, whatever your apostolate is doing, the school is doing, there are things you're doing that are super important. Feeding the poor, clothing the naked, visiting the imprisoned. Critical. We're, 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 we're told to go do that. Let's not forget it's in order to make disciples of all nations. Because if you're, you get caught up in what you're doing in the work, but you're not making disciples, you're not living the Great Commission. So does that mean that stuff doesn't matter and you don't do that stuff? No, I'm not saying that. For sure, I'm not saying that. But if you're not finding the time to disciple each other so that you can become disciples even stronger and then disciple makers... Then you're not living the Great Commission. That's we kind of we 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 flip the priority sometimes. We say we're we're busy with all the stuff on our to do list, and if we have time, we'll we'll consider discipleship. Another one that comes to mind is this. Admittedly, there are times, and I'm sure we're not alone in this. There are times where you just say, "I work with these people all day. I'm not going to spend. I don't want to spend time with these people." You know, and it could be not that you don't like them. But it's like, I just want to get back to my family, which is, which is, of course, you have a, a vocation to get back to your family. But if you don't like spending time with the people that you're working with, you better address this and find out why not. Do you have the right people on your team, on your leadership team? If you don't want to spend time with these people, that is a symptom of something that's deeper that that cannot be allowed to happen. Now, you could be smart about spending time with other people. You can't take every evening and spend time with each other. People do have families. It's not your only vocation. It's, it's, it's a family. It's not the only family. So we want that. But, but, but it's not, and it's not just spending time with buddies or spending time with, with my gals. It's not just spending time together. It's this idea of being intentional. And so sometimes that gets in the way. I don't want to just spend time and chit chat. Rick, and that happens so much because we we lose our intentionality. Okay, we're hanging out as a team or we're buddies in a, a discipleship group, whatever it is. It's like you, you, when you lose that intentionality and focus, it devolves actually pretty quickly back into just kind of like normal human relationships. Like we're not we're not really intentional. And so we're just hanging out. And that can feel like a waste of time real quick when you're really busy in your life. Um, and you can lose the authenticity of the friendship really quick. 
And so the, the spending time with buddies thing's a big one. And to be really clear about this, we're, what we're not saying is that every single meeting, every single time the leadership team's together or your group's together, it has to be hyper-focused on what God's doing and get like this kind of weird in- introspection. Like, it's, it's good to get together and have a beer and watch football. Oh, it's good to get together and just hear how your vacation went. Uh, and so it's not, it, it, you, could, you could take it too far the other way. I haven't seen that much, but you could take it to that too far the other way. And so don't, don't do that. Every, time, every meeting now, it's like, okay, what's God doing in your life? What's your challenge this week? It's like, okay, look, can we, just, can we just be light in our conversation? Yeah, be human, be fully human. And to be fully human is to, to go out and golf and enjoy the game or whatever. go shop or talk just about how the, 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 last, so the last summer months have gone. I mean, it doesn't have to be all this crazy intentionality, but without intentionality, it won't ever become a discipleship effort. Another, another reason we think this doesn't happen a lot on teams is this I'm the boss mentality. So often, oftentimes you're in this situation of leading people and then you can feel challenging to say, how do I enter a discipleship relationship with people who I'm the boss of? And, and again, you have to take the lens off of this 21st century American ideal. Like it, it's it, it, the... The free market economy and the way we do law and employer-employee relationships is very new. It's very new. Think about Timothy and Paul. Think about Jesus and the apostles, okay? You're meeting, and the temptation to be, I'm the boss and kind of ignore this stuff is when you end up, every meeting, it's like, because I'm the boss, I'm focused on the tactics, the, you know, how it's going, what we're doing well, what we're not doing, what the, what's the plan. You can get so focused on the metrics, the outputs, and the tasks and activities you're trying to do and accomplish together that you can forget to include the conversation on how are you doing? What is the Lord doing in your life? What can I pray with you? And they really be, have a level of discipleship intimacy, rightly understood, that allows for that to be on, be, be, go beyond the boss-employee-employer relationship. And that's what you have to have in the church. Yeah, and then really in support of those who are in that leadership position or in the leadership positions, especially when it comes to a bishop, for example, it's at times others are afraid to open up because, man, I can't say this in front of the bishop or I can't say this in front of the pastor. And so it's, it's, it's in support of them as well. The, the position does come. You are in the leadership role. And, and for those who aren't in the actual leadership role of that leadership team, mm-hmm. It's you've got to you've got to get over that, right? We've talked about that as whether it's considered clericalism or just or, or authority bias. Um, you know, maybe the last one, and I mentioned this one earlier, Nick, is this: why don't we do this and live this way uh, within leadership teams? Is at at times there's a concern that that some will take advantage of spending too much time on the clock. Be, you're you're being paid, and and now you're in. Or you're taking a time in mass, you're taking a time in adoration, and, and meanwhile, the work's not getting done. And we just really challenge that. that that's not a, a reason that works. If there's a performance issue, as I mentioned, address the performance issue. And we guarantee that performance issue is not too much prayer. It's not too much adoration to the Lord. There's other things going on. So we just want to really encourage you all to, to not worry about that and make it clear that you're. it's such a sign of trust, too, that in care and love. Trust, deeper than trust is love. I mean, you, you love somebody and you demonstrate it, then you build that trust. And if you're showing them that you trust them to, to pray when they need it, to go to adoration when they need it, 
so that they're even a stronger disciple that you can live discipleship, then, then we say go for it and address other issues. So with all that, let's, let's shift to the mission challenge. So what's our mission challenge for you all this time? Um, we're going to build upon the focus material that we referenced early on. So um, focus has great material. We'll put it in the, in the show notes. And there's a, there's a description of those, those stages I mentioned, the stages of discipleship. And so you've got that, but they have this, this reflection, right? So it's this, the stage of the discipleship, and then they've got a reflection on the document that you'll be able to, to download. And we're just asking it to, to do the self-reflection in front of the blessed sacrament. There's a series of questions, answer those questions in front of the blessed sacrament as individuals. And then come together as your leadership team and share what you heard in prayer and have that discussion about your reflection, your prayerful reflection on your discipleship journey. And then discern how you'll grow as a team to become even more like a family on mission that lives Christian lives together intentionally. And once you do that, you discern it as a team, then you include this in your, we'll call it a family health plan or a team health plan. Because if you don't have a plan, if you really don't have a plan for health and, it, and it's not in your plan, whatever you discern coming out of this prayer exercise, then it, won't, it doesn't exist and it won't get done. We guarantee we've seen it enough and, and, and you're all expert enough in your, your leadership roles that. Not everything has to be written down, but these kinds of things need to go in your plan. And then that's your plan until God changes that plan. So quick recap, review the material from Focus. It's good stuff. We, we really think Focus is a wonderful, wonderful organization with Catholic uh, disciples all over the universities in the United States. Fantastic. And so uh, shout out to Curtis Martin and that whole team. Do the self-reflection in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Share together as a team what you heard in prayer. Discern as a team how you'll grow as a team. More of a family on mission, living Christian lives together intentionally, and then include that in your plan for further team or family health. That's the mission challenge. And we'll make available. The link to this document we're referencing will be available in the description of this show. So go there if you're trying to find a quick link to get to it, uh, to pray with that. And as we pray, for you, I just want to encourage you that this, this is messy. There's no perfect way to do it. Doing something's better than doing nothing. Don't let, the, don't let the perfect way to do discipleship, which doesn't exist, keep you from doing it at all. Don't feel like you have to be the expert. Just go for it. Do something. Do something. Start the journey and start trying to figure it out because, again, no one's arrived and it's just going to be messy. So let's pray that the Holy Spirit will give you the encouragement and the confidence you need just to begin anew with the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Spirit, we ask you to just come and flood the minds and hearts of your leaders right now across your whole church. For those leaders who don't have the luxury of being in a discipleship right now, don't have the advantage of that, Holy Spirit, bring them that wherever they minister. Pray for pastors, bishops, and leaders of your institutions, Lord, in a very particular way to have the courage and confidence right now to say, you know what, we're not doing this. And and we can. The invitation is there. And I don't have to have all the answers because Jesus has them. So Holy Spirit, come. We pray right now that you'll just do this in the hearts and minds 
of your leaders as only you can. Help us all to get one step closer to you today. And through this, may you help us lead the renewal of all of our parishes, our schools, and our dioceses, and our families. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being a part of this episode. We would love to hear from you. We would love to hear how you do discipleship in your culture. Could be one thing you do. Could be your whole plan. We'd love to see it. We'd love to hear about it. So you can catch us at missionguys at missioinstitute.org. Missionguys at missioinstitute.org. Love to hear how you do it. If this has been helpful for you, please share it with someone else. We all need encouragement and help these days. You are in our prayers. Please keep us in yours. And the words of our patron saint, St. Juana Parosera, always forward, never back.